You're listening to Living in His Love on The Answer Broadcasting with Reverend Trudy Daly. Now, let's prepare to hear this week's message. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to guide and direct this program. May all that is said and done be truthful and loving and reflect your word and your ways. Open the ears and hearts of those listening that they might be blessed by what is said. Help each listener to know and understand how much you love them and that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to save them and that you want to help them in every situation in their lives. Amen. Today we have back with us Adrian Evans from AF Ministries. She's going to continue her talk about the widow. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's good to be here with you. I was going to say it's good to see you, but I probably can't see you. That would be an act of faith, but it's good to be in your space today. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, a little lady in the Bible that I touched on once before. I talked about her, but I feel like her story is so relevant to so many of us today. As I was driving here, this song came on the radio saying, Jesus, um, I can't outrun your love. And um, But I think some days some of us feel like we're running to catch up to his love. Uh, you know, it's not quite so warm and fuzzy, you know, about his love is there and I'm, you know, some days we're like, looking for the expression of God's love in, in a time where circumstances are a little bit tough. And um, so it's not always that warm and fuzzy feeling of, oh, God, you know, the goosebump experience and I can't outrun your love. But I thought there are days that I find it hard. I get up and I'm trying to catch up with it. You know, I mean, I'm trying to find God's love for my life. It, my life just doesn't feel like it. And I would say that a lot of people experience that in life. Uh, life is full of ups and downs and mountains and valleys and lows and highs. And that's why some of these stories in the Bible, they're worth uh, reading and meditating on and realising that the people in these stories uh, are real people that were going through a difficult time or a good time. And the Bible it's not full of success stories, it's full of life stories. Some people win, some people learn, some people have a bad day, some people fail one day and get up and win the next day. They're, they're people. And as I travel around the world, uh, I find people are different. Uh, people on every continent are no different. They may be different in their expression of language and dress, but they're they go through the same feelings, the same hurts, the same heartaches, the same miscommunications and relationship breaks, breakdowns. People are the same all over the world. And so when we read a story in the Bible, sometimes it takes like 10 seconds to read the story and we're like, oh, wow, okay, off we go. But when we stop and think about the people in the story, like, for example, Noah, uh, when we stop and think about Noah, here's someone building a boat for rain that they'd never seen before. So so when we, we think about some of these stories, it's easy to preach on them. It's easy to preach about Peter walking on the water. 
But do we realise that Peter walked on the water for the first time in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a dark night, and, um, and he was one out of 12 who actually got out on the water and said, Jesus, if that's you. Everybody had that same opportunity, but, but what did it feel like for Peter? It, it's very easy to say, well, well, Peter fell down. Well, I don't know that you or I might not do the same thing. You know, it's like the important lesson to learn is not that Peter fell down, is that, first of all, he said, Jesus, if that's you, command me to come. Peter wasn't walking on the water to produce a miracle. He was walking on the water to get to Jesus. So his call, he was walking to go to Jesus, and in the process of going to Jesus, he walked on the water. That puts things in a doable perspective, and the fact that when he started to fall, Jesus was right there with him. And we look at Peter, and again, and it's easy to condemn some of the people in the Bible and preach a great sermon about them, but how many of us would actually have been game enough to say that? You know, let me get out of this boat and walk on the water. I've been on a ship on rough seas, and there's nothing in me that wants to get out and walk on the water. You know, I mean, God would have to stand there in all his glory and have some sort of a bridge. Uh, it's, a, it's a scary thought. Uh, we, we look at Thomas. People call Thomas, Thomas the Doubter, uh, because somebody preached and we name him Thomas the Doubter and that preaching went around the world. But when we read the scriptures, it was Thomas that said, Jesus, if you go to die, we'll die with you. It wasn't Peter in one of the, in one of the stories. It was Thomas asking Jesus to see what the other disciples had already seen. Uh, and Thomas was an, a great apostle of God who was martyred for the kingdom. And I often wonder what Thomas thinks as he sits in heaven in this amazing place with God and, and was one of the great martyrs of his century of the first book of Acts. He was one of the 12 who were martyred. And what he thinks about the church preaching him at him as, oh, Thomas the doubter. And, and so... For me, I, I think some things are worth examination and, and I think we, we need to give ourselves to some of these stories and make our own ideas and opinions and, and, and not be so quick to have to believe everybody else's take on it because I think all these guys are heroes and this lady that we're going to talk about over the next three weeks, um, three sessions, and this one is to me who someone inspired me because she had nothing. She didn't even have faith. She didn't have faith in God. She didn't know God. She was caught up in, in one of the miracles that God wanted Elijah to be part of for Elijah's survival. And so here we, we talk about this widow woman. And, I mean, like for me, she didn't even have a name. And, and I often give her a name when I preach about her because it doesn't seem fair that her name is not mentioned because people's names are important to me. And um, so in, in the book of um, Kings, in, I'm just going to read the story uh, out to everybody if, if that's okay. It's, um, it's 1 Kings uh, chapter 17 and we're going to start at verse 8. And let me say, if you're a person of faith, 
I pray that you'll be inspired by all this. But if you're a person not of faith, if you haven't made up your mind to ask God to, to talk to God about your life, I hope that you'll be inspired to really reach out to him because he cares for you. This, this widow woman was somebody that was not a child of God, but God had positioned her to become a child of God and to be part of a miracle for Elijah. She did not know it, but there were attributes in her that were so attractive to God that he positioned her for a miracle to survive. And so for everybody, people of faith and people not of faith, can I tell you, this, this story was written about a woman who was not a believer, and yet God's love was so attracted to her heart, and I'd like to go over some things that were so special about her her personality, her character, her ways that are significant to a believer that God looks for in believers. And here this woman had it, not a believer, but she had a strength of character and resolve that really was like a magnet to God. And so here it says here in verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, God didn't actually speak to the widow and say, I've commanded you to feed the prophet. It, this was, for her, this was divine destiny. You know, this was one of the divine appointments that would shape her future for her family. And God put a command out in the spirit that this woman didn't even know she was receiving. You know, sometimes God speaks to your heart and you do things and you don't even know it's God. You know, you just, you, you get up and you do things and you think, oh, wow, that was God. That's just way cool. Look at me. I'm where I should be. And you had to work through very natural and practical things. So God commanded a widow there to provide for you. So Elijah, he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I might drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives... I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now, this wasn't a negative statement of hers. This was the result of this was what was going to happen. It wasn't that she was, it, it's like she had no, after she did this, they were going to die because there was nothing for them to have or do. That was practical and it was true. Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake first from it and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, now God speaking, for thus says the Lord your God of Israel, the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day 
the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. She and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. This, this woman, when, when we look at the um, horizon of her life, she lived as, first of all, she was a single mum. She, her husband had died, so she had a child that she was responsible for to feed, to raise, to protect, to give a life to. She was a single mum. She was a single mum in a horrific drought. She was a single mum in a terrible economic climate. She was a single mum who didn't have a telephone to call her friends and say, what am I going to do? She was a single mum who didn't have a community around her or a welfare store down the street where she could go get food. She was a single mum without her faith, without any anything to fall back on. And I often think of that and we could stop for one minute and put ourselves in her shoes and maybe feel a little hopeless. Like, you know, I, I don't know about everyone out there, but but sometimes you're in a position, you get a, a, a financial position or you go to the doctor and you get a bad report or, and all of a sudden you feel like the bottom just, it just drops out of your world and you think, where can I go for help? Where, what can I do? Where can I get help? And in the day we live in and as believers, as you're listening to this, we know that we can go to our God, we can go to our church community, we, can, we, can, we have um, uh, uh, promises, abundant promises that we can lean on, we can cry out to God for. But look at this lady. She had none of that. She had none of that. And this is what inspires me. She did not give up. She did not give up. And the first thought that I want to talk to everybody about um, will probably take nearly the rest of this session, but it's my favourite, so that's probably why I'm going to talk a lot about it, because it's, she was intentional about her life. You know, sometimes we just we get wishy-washy and, and we allow life and circumstances and emotions to lead us, you know, well, I think I'll do this today, no, tomorrow I don't feel like it, you know, I feel motivated today, I don't feel motivated tomorrow. And, 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 but this woman didn't have any of that, she was intentional and I want to say that, you know, when you listen to speakers like John Maxwell and people like that, they, they say a truth to us which is hard to hear, but it is true. It says the hardest person to lead is ourselves. People naturally follow people who are stronger, but the hardest person to lead is ourselves. You know, if, if you're a leader out there somewhere in life, in a community, in your home, people are looking for you to be intentional so they can follow when they don't know what to do. And this is one of the greatest signposts of a leader, of a person in leadership position, that they give people somewhere to follow, someone to follow. And, and here, when they don't feel motivated, here's a person who, who said, you know what, I'm going to be intentional about life. I am not ready to die. 
I, I mean, I know I'm going to in a day or so, but you know what? I've got enough resource to at least live fully the next day or the next time. And she, and, and as she, she would get on the inside, you know, I, I just was thinking that, see, things don't just happen. You know, people say, oh, they were lucky or they did this or they did that. Things don't just happen. Things happen when people are purposeful, when people are intentional and say, I may not have much, but what I've got, I'm going to use. What I've got, I'm going to be on purpose with. I may, I've only got a little bit, but what I've got, man, I'm going to use it to there's absolutely no more. That's somebody who lives purposefully and intentionally. That's someone who gets out of bed of the day and not says, gee, I wonder what this day will bring me. They get out of bed and they say, I wonder what I am going to bring to this day. They get up and they take charge. Like I know in Christendom many years ago, people, I mean, we talk about the devil all the time. They, they give him more glory most times than they do Jesus. And let me tell you a secret. It's not always the devil's fault. Sometimes it's our stupid, you know, that... God needs us to fix up because <laughs> I know this because, you know, I'm an ex, I have a degree in that. But it's like they, they get up and, and they like, they bind this and bind that so the devil doesn't attack them. And they, it's almost like they promote fear before they walk out of their room. It's like, I'm afraid of the devil, so I'm just going to bind. What if, what if we were intentional and purposeful in our faith and the victory of our faith and the victory of our cross that we got out of bed and we said, devil, I'm coming for you today. I'm coming for you today. The same weapons, the same blood of Jesus, the same shield of faith, the same armor of God. I put it on not to be defensive, but I put it on to go on the attack. And to get out there and say, I'm coming into this day, I'm going to love, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to do everything I can to this day. I'm going to settle what accounts I can, I'm going to live on purpose, I'm going to watch the words in my mouth, if I fall, I'll repent, I'll get up again, you're not going to use it to, against me tomorrow, I'm coming fully dressed for today. And that sets me in, a, in a, a position of being, gosh, I get excited. I feel like just going out and doing something now, you know. It's like it sets me on a path to do things, not to have things done to me. And so this lady was intentional. She was purposeful. It's, I heard this once, the greatest gap in the world is the space between knowing and doing. The greatest gap between knowing and doing. A great idea will only ever occupy as big as the brain cell that it... A great idea will ever grow as big as the brain cell that it occupies unless we put action to it. You know, one of my favourite um, pastors in the Bible is James and uh, James was a pretty tough pastor when you want to read the book of James with honesty and take out all the warm and fuzziness of it, you know. But James talks about faith and the works of faith. And um, James says himself, you know, faith without works is dead. People talk about having faith, but their feet aren't going anywhere. They're not working for it. It's what it is. 
really, it's just a wish list. So I'm going to continue a little bit more about this particular first point on the next session. But, you know, we would love to hear from you if you're listening. Um, I'd love to hear from you if something that that you get encouraged by what we say or something Pastor Trudy says, we, we'd love to hear from you. So just as I close this session and every session, I just want to give you my email address if you can write us and share your heart. And um, I'd love to hear from you. The, the weird thing about radio is you don't know who's listening except the people around the table, you know. they got to listen to you, you know. But I'd love to know that... that there's something going from this space of time that's strengthening your life and encouraging you to be strong in the Lord and be strong in life. So my email is home, H-O-M-E, at A-F Ministries, A for Apple, F for Francis, ministries.org. And honestly, we'd just love to hear from you. So God bless you. And I really look forward to uh, chatting with you again shortly. Thank you. Dear listeners, thank you for sharing this time together with us. We ask God to bless you, heal you, and to provide, protect, and prosper you. May God allow you to experience more and more of his love for you. We pray that this week's message has touched you in a powerful way. To connect with us online, visit us at theanswerbroadcasting.com.